every time I call, you reached out and lifted me out of sin and shame. But today, Lord, just let me to call on his holy name. Sue, I've been thinking about, I know we talked about this song, not my will, but thine be done. That just stirred in me, stirred in me. The words of Christ, it seems so simple. That's what he's wanting. Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Each day of our life, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Praise his holy name. Thank you, Jesus. The God I serve, Cole. tells 
Thank you. 
session up here today, haven't we? Praise God. Appreciate all the songs. I appreciate all the musicians that are here. And I don't know about the rest of you, but when it's like when the home team's all here and they're all uh, looking over at each other, they're excited because everybody's there and everybody's in their position. And they get excited and they play good and they seem to be enthused with what God is doing. God is doing a good thing today. I don't know exactly sometimes where God wants me to go, but I believe God pointed me back to this today, and I want to bring it to you today. I, I want to ask you a question. How many has heard all their life, I don't care what age you are, that Israel is God's chosen people. Everybody heard that? I want to tell you something. That's scriptural. That's Bible. God made a covenant 
with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Joseph, the children of Israel. God has declared a day and the days of, of Israel. He said, you will be my people, not because you're better than anybody, but I'm going to be your God. And that's a great responsibility. Great responsibility to call yourself a child of God. That God watches over, that God's got you in a limelight and people are watching your life. How many knows that's true? When you claim to know Christ as your Savior, you or you know God uh, as Israel was in the Old Testament, God picked them out. You read the stories of all the things that Abraham did. God said when he came to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, should I keep that thing from Abraham? No, he wouldn't. Why? Because he made a covenant with Abraham. And he knew Abraham was a man of God. And he said, I'm going to tell Abraham what I'm going to do. I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. How many knows, as we live these days, and if this is, and I believe it with all my heart, that we're approaching the end, the end of a time, of a period. God is coming soon. And I would love to say a president could change things, but he can't. I'd love to say we could get our act together, but we can't as long as we keep refusing to repent. And repentance is our friend, and it's not only our friend, but it is the only way we'll get back to God. The only way that God can heal this land is when we come back and repent. You know that. I know that. I don't see it changing. I don't care how much comfort you have. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care. It can all change overnight just like that. Did you know Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D.? Did you know Israel was completely uh, disbanded. There was no Israel. There was no Jerusalem. There was no Israelites in that area all the way till 1948. How many knows when 1948 come, the, the, how do you say, the, the limb began to bloom again. Israel become a nation again. Israel came back. How many felt that God's word was coming true when Israel came back? When you look back that not that far away, you look 50-something, 60-something years ago, and you find Israel becoming a state. Doesn't that make you realize it's the end time? Everybody was thinking that. But can I tell you something? There's not only the physical things that you see, but there's the spiritual things that you should see. Because if we don't see spiritually what God is doing, we won't listen. Connie said it over and over in Sunday school. It is the Spirit of God that communes with you, that guides you into all things. He guides his people on what to hear, what to know, what to, what to expect. I spent a couple of three weeks ago, I talked about the four horsemen. I talked about the seals being let loose. And I talked about the first four, the four horsemen on Sunday morning. Sunday night, which a lot of you didn't come back, I spoke on the seven, the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh seal. And I want to go back now because something happened in there. Something happened in the fifth, sixth, and the seventh. And I want to step between the sixth and the seventh. And I want to go to the seventh chapter of Revelation. Why? 
because that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. And I have heard this so many times, so many different ways. And if you follow the prophet, prophetic books, you will be totally confused about what they say these people are. But I've got to bring it that way because I know what God was saying to me. And I want, to, I want you to hear what I think. And, you know, you can look at me as simple-minded. You can look at me as, as whatever. I, I realize when it talked about four horsemen, it's talking about a symbol. I don't believe there was a big great white horse, but I know what John saw. He saw it as a great white horse that came and was conquered. He was a conqueror. God had gave him a crown to conquer. And then it, it goes to the red horse, which is the, which is the war horse, sheds blood. Then it goes to the black horse, which has got the famine involved in it. And then it goes to the pale horse, it's got death and hell involved in it. How many of those a lot of people died as the beginning? When you read the starting of the sixth chapter, you're reading the tribulation time has started. And when it started, there's people going to die. And when you get to the sixth seal that God is opening, it's the end of the sixth chapter. You don't get the seventh seal until you get past this seventh chapter of Revelation into the eighth chapter. I don't want to confuse nobody because I'm going to tell you right now, I'm simple enough to say it simple. And I know I, if I was sitting there, I'd say, what in the world is he talking about? Well, you're going to see it. If you ever read the book of Revelation, some of you elders, you have read it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But I want you to hear this too. You may not see it like I see it. That's okay. I'm not trying to convince anybody of just my way. I'm trying to convince you that God has a heart. And if God loves us, look out. Because God will fulfill what he has promised. He will fulfill it. And just as I said, if you have known all your life that God is, has a children called the children of Israel, that he is going to deal with them again. You've heard that all your life too. I believe this is, the, is a beginning. This is a, a, a hesitation in the middle of the judgment, in the stopping of the judgment. God sent an angel. Listen to the seventh chapter. In the sixth chapter, the last verse, it says, For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? God is pouring out wrath of God. The wrath of the Lamb is there. If you read just above that, that sixth chapter, that uh, in the end of the sixth chapter, talking about the sixth seal. What are these seals? They were a scroll that was rolled. And every time it got to a place where God wrote something, he put a seal on it. That was a, a piece of, uh, it was a clay wet clay, he would push it on there and most of the time in, the, uh, in those days they would put a ring there, you take their ring, the king would and he'd put his seal on there and it would harden and it would seal that seal and nobody's allowed to break that seal except who the king says break it. Well, we remember the fourth and fifth chapter, fifth chapter says only one was worthy. John wept because no one was worthy. But Jesus stepped forth and took the scroll from the Father's hand because he was worthy to break the seals. Now, I want you to understand, seven seals were put after seven rolls, okay, after the rolls. And I want you to understand, God has come to a place. It's future. It's telling us what's coming. Now, we, you know, I could sit and say, no, 
I'm just going to preach repentance. I'm just going to tell you about get your heart right with God. I can tell you that. We've preached that for a year here. But can I tell you something? There's going to come a time when God's going to go past offering repentance. Don't look at me like I, I did it. I didn't do it. It's God's word. Follow what God's telling you. But in that end of that sixth chapter, it says the mighty men of the world, even they will hide in the mountains and say, pull the rocks up on it and hide us from him that's bringing the judgment. They will know that it is the wrath of God. Look at your leaders up in America. Look at your leaders all across these nations. One day, this day, they will know, the end of that sixth seal, it says they will know it's the wrath of God. That's why they're trying to hide. It's talking about the rich men, talking about the mighty men. It's talking about all those free men, bond men, whatever they are. God is dealing with mankind. God is dealing with the history of mankind. But I want to bring you back to what God's got in his heart today for what he's saying to us, to this church. I don't know what's going on in other churches. I do know this. I turned on Michael Youssef. And he began to talk about the son that stayed home. The prodigal son, one left, the, younger, the older one stayed home. And he talked about the one that God, the father, loved the one at home just the same as he loved the one that left. I want you to understand something. He's dealing. God is dealing with the love that he has for, the, for what he has planned. In the seventh chapter, I want you to turn to it if you can, and I want you to follow this. In the seventh chapter, starting at verse 1, I want to read the first four verses. It says, after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. Number one, listen to this. On the earth. This is happening on earth. It's not happening in heaven this is happening on earth. Listen to what I'm telling you. Four angels, it says. Four angels are sent down in judgment to put, to stand at the four corners of the earth. That means they're probably holding from the east, the, the north, the south, and the west. They're holding the winds. They have sent to stop the winds from blowing. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We won't make it if the wind stops blowing. This nation is going to dry up. Something bad's going to happen if we got no wind to blow. But God is sending down this judgment. And it says this. This is just the preparation. But then it goes on to say, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on earth, nor on the sea, nor any tree. Now look at verse 2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having a seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels of whom it was given to hurt the, uh, the sea. And he said to them, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of God in their foreheads. I don't know about you, but that speaks great grace to me. And I ain't talking about me and you. See, if I look at this rightly, the church is already in heaven. We just worshiped God in the fourth and fifth chapter. They sang about it. All of the earth will shout his praises. 
all of those that have, that have gone in the church, that have been caught up together and at the throne of God, they will worship and they will see him take that uh, scroll out of the hand. But God's going on with who's left. Listen to what I'm saying. In verse 4, and I heard the number of them that were sealed, which were sealed, that, and, they, and there was sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Who are they? They're the tribes of the children of Israel. Is there exactly 12,000? This is where you get into watching what people say prophesy. I have had everything from people to say that's not really talking about uh, a bunch of people it's talking about one person I know you'd have to read their book to understand it you'd have to go on and, and you have to get a real symbolizing of what they're saying but what I want you to see and I'm going to get more in tonight about why these people believe this but I want you to see this God has not only took these seven or these twelve and he seals them. He seals them to follow him. But what is he dealing with? Listen to what I'm saying. Even you elders that have heard this all your life. What is God getting ready to do? He's getting ready to turn the attention upon Israel. That's what he's doing. Now, I, I'm just telling you what I feel like God was showing me. When God got to this place right here, God sent another, another angel and said, stop them from passing the judgment of holding the wind. Stop it right now. i got to insert something. So what does he do? He calls 12,000 from 12 tribes. He even goes on four, 5 through 8 and names the tribes they come from. I don't have no problem believing those were Israelites. I have no problem believing they're a chosen people, a special people that God has put together for that time. Why? Because when God decides to bring repentance and restoring to someone, what does God do? He begins to insert the power of God inside those people. And he has picked these 12,000 from each tribe to let all of Israel know they have missed the Savior. They've missed God's way. But God has not only brought that to them, he brings the understanding that they miss Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show that to you later. And I believe that's who these 144,000, there's no seal for them if they don't know Christ. I mean, here's what I'm saying. God didn't spec, uh, pick them out just because they're having to go by the same way you and I went. But they are chosen 12,000 from each tribe to let all of Israel know this ain't for a handful. This ain't just for the Levites. This ain't just for those of that, that side or the other. He has made us all kings and priests. But he calls Israel out because he's trying to turn the attention at this time to them. He wants you to know, just like we've talked about before, when God said, he'll say it in the 8th chapter, on the seventh seal, when he says there's silence for a half hour. And I was telling you, it's like God says, hold on. I got to get these prayers out and I got to answer these prayers that's been cried out over the years. Because our prayers is a part of the judgment. Our prayers is going to bring the mis mistreating of God's people. 
There's been many that's been mistreated under the name of Christ. And I believe God is dealing with all judgments. Okay. Those 12 tribes, the angel names them by name. Now listen to what I'm saying. He gets personal. He names them by name. What does that mean? It ain't no fairy story. It ain't no proverb. He names them by name. He names them by 12,000 from this tribe. He names the tribes. He names them five through eight. I'm not going to read it. You can read it for yourself. There's three in each verse. Why, do, why am I bringing that out? Because I want you to see how much it means to God to bring Israel back into the picture. You know Israel sitting on the side, and you know Israel... They can talk about their religion. They can talk about their ritual. They can talk about being God's only people. They believe because they were born Jew, they're going to heaven and they don't have to do nothing for it. But God's going to bring the light to them. The only second chance there is for Israel is God was going to bring the truth to their heart. He's going to change them. They're going to see Jesus for who he is. How many knows what I'm saying? God is dealing with Israel. Why? Because God made a promise a long time ago to Abraham. And I don't care how wicked they got. I don't care how wicked happens in your family, my family, or whatever. Don't you know God knows the prayers and the promises of the people that cried out to him and said, Lord, heal my land, heal my family, heal my home. Don't you know God made a promise with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he ain't never forgot? It might look like they've been cast aside, but they ain't cast aside. They were looking to Christ. They were looking forward to him coming. They were listening to God say, there's a promise coming. Long time ago, and God is going to bring it back to them because he is a gracious God. He's working on it even in the tribulation time. He's working on people. I want you to read. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. 2 Corinthians 1.21. It says, Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. How many knows you're sealed by the Spirit of God? You have been sealed. Everyone that comes to Christ, you have been sealed by the Spirit of Christ that comes in you. You have been sealed as one of God's children. Listen to what I'm saying. When he calls this angel, come down, and he says, don't do no more until I seal these 12 tribes of Israel. Something's happening. And in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, he says, In whom you also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I only read them because I want you to understand we're sealed. But God is working a different plan this day. He's working a different plan in this chapter. And I want you to hear it. I want to skip on now. I'm going to go. I'll come back to that at the end. But I want you to 
get out of the seventh chapter. Because what he's done is he's paused there. He's paused judgment because God has something to insert here. You ever listen to somebody telling a story and they're trying to tell you the story and right in the middle of it they start talking about two or three other things that happened while that was going, while that story was going by? Yeah, I know a lot of people does that. But they'll stop and tell you what the what the people wore. They'll tell you what the what the last time they saw them. Right there in the middle of what they're saying, they got four or five things. Well, God stops the judgment and says, "Wait a minute, I got something here that I want to insert, and I want you to hear." He wrote it for you and I to hear. Listen to me. He wrote it for you and I to hear. I don't think it's a big guess about who they were. I think the problem is people don't realize how much God loves Israel and how much he still loves Israel. Get a hold of it because you're going to hear more of it here in just a minute. But it goes on in Ezekiel, the ninth chapter, talking about the seals. The ninth chapter in the fourth verse, one verse, I'm going to read it. It talks about a mark on the foreheads of the faithful. Now it list says, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men, listen, that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. You know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be sighing and crying for the abominations that's going on in our land. These men, during the time of Ezekiel, they knew that Israel had been They'd been committing abominations of God. And God was angry with them. But these men began to weep and to cry for what was happening in their land. I can tell you, the elders that's watched this land go to where it's at today, inside their heart. Sometimes I can look, just look at things and see how it's changed. And I begin to weep because of the things that I know has happened. I know the enemy's got his way. He's got in. He's destroying. He's turned people away from God. They're drifting farther away. Now I want you to turn to the 11th chapter of Romans. If you've got your Bible, turn there because I want you to hear what Paul was telling. Paul began to talk to the Roman people about the Jewish people. And he began to talk to them even through the 9th and 10th chapter. But in the 11th chapter, I want you to hear what Paul wrote to them. He said, for I, in verse 25 of Romans 11, verse 25 of Romans 11, he said, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel. Unto the fullness, until the fullness of the Gentiles become. How many knows Israel's been blind? And the fullness of the Gentiles is coming to an end. See, God has opened up this gospel to all that will come from all kindred, all people, all tongues, and all nations. He's called people to the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. He's opened the door. You know, it was always God's plan to open that door because he knew Israel would fail. It didn't he make them fail. He just knew they what they would do. Listen to this. 
that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. What is he talking about? Don't you realize Romans, what Paul is writing is already past Christ? Christ has already came, uh, paid the price, lived, died for us, showed us the way, gave us the message. He was the messenger from the Father. He's already did the work. But it says here that all Israel shall be saved. It is written, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. I believe, I want you to hear this, I believe that day's still coming. There is going to come, Christ is going to come back and he's going to rescue Israel. But I want you to hear something, he's already working on that now. How many knows he's already spiritually working on Israel? He's already taken the blinders off. When they sign this treaty with the Antichrist, guess what? They're going to find themselves on the wrong side of God. And they will know it and they will begin to weep and repent. That day's coming. It's in, uh, I believe it's in Ezekiel, uh, no, it's in Zechariah 12. I think I had that wrote down somewhere. But I ain't got it. Let me turn to it just for a second. Zechariah 12 and 10. It says, and I will pour up on the house of David. Talking about Israel. Listen to this. I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace. Listen to what he's saying. The spirit of grace and of supplication and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And shall be in bitterness of, for him as one that is in bitterness for their firstborn. Now, I'm reading that because I want you to understand something. They obviously come to a place where it's revealed to them who Jesus was talking about the house of David. He's talking about Israel. He's talking, and this is Zechariah. This is the end of the Old Testament. And I got to tell you right now, it's a time where this was already happened. They'd already been in bondage and come out of bondage. It's not talking about, it's talking about a day. It's talking about a day when they see who Jesus is. How many knows they put the blinders, the blinders have been on since Jesus came because they refused him. God said, I'll blind your eyes. You won't be able to, you won't come to him. As a nation, you rejected your only Messiah. I think that's what he's talking about when he says that. Okay, go back to Romans. In the Romans, it says, verse 27 of 11, it says, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. How many knows Israel's been the enemy of the gospel? You know they've been the enemy. They, they can't be for the gospel because it's all about Christ. And they didn't accept that Jesus was the Messiah. How many understands what I'm saying? I know I'm not talking over my head because I'm, just, I'm trying to teach it like 
I understand it, which is very simple. I don't know big words, and I'm not going to use big, uh, big theories and big things. I'm trying to tell you exactly how I read it. It goes on in there, and it says, in 28, it says, Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, touching who God has chosen, they are beloved for the Father's sake. What's he talking about? He's talking about for the forefathers. He's talking about they are beloved by God for what the forefathers stood for. How many knows what I'm just saying? I just said he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The forefathers is what he's really relating to. Paul is telling them that they are coming to a place that it, it came to a place where God sees his elected Jewish people but he also sees the gospel is the way to him. And he's trying to bring the Jews that second chance to see who they missed. And God will rescue them. Then it says in verse 29, I've heard this many times, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. That means God don't forget Israel. That means God called them, God don't forget them. You might forget them. You might think it's all about what you want and it's all about your church and all about what we're doing. But can I tell you something? It ain't about this. It's about the Father's will. Get it in your mind. It's the Father's will we're trying to find. It's the Father's will we're trying to meet up with. When we get in the Father's will, all of heaven is rejoicing. And the power of the Spirit of God will do whatever needs to happen to keep the Father's will aligned. He ain't worried with our petty things. He ain't worried with those little things that I worry about. You know how much the enemy fought me over this this week? My wife was sitting there eating eggs. She'll be mad because I put this on here. And her tooth broke in half. Eating eggs. And the next day, we go in there. She hollers at me. I said, what's wrong? She says, the sink's all backed up. The, the uh, garbage disposal's falling out in pieces. Of course, I blamed her for turning it on, but <laughs> it didn't matter because you know why? The pipes were blocked as far as you could see, Dran. It's like we had before. It's just solid. Uh, it's like going into a wall. It ain't going nowhere. All the other Features in the house, as far as the sinks on one end of the house or the other, uh, the, the showers, the toilets, everything's working. But that sink that's got the garbage disposal and the dishwasher, it ain't working. And our little worlds all fall apart. But how many of those enemy will fight you for what God's trying to do? When you're trying to step in there and say, I want God to do what God wants, I want to see his will and his heart be spoken today. That's what I want to see. And when they start talking, when Rand starts singing about the love of God, fall in love with him again, I thought to myself, that's what it's about. It's all about the love of God. He loves us so much. He keeps dealing with us when we don't deserve him to deal with us. That's because he Israel don't deserve it. They crucified Jesus Christ. Let his blood be on us and our children. And yet God is doing everything in the world to bring them back to him. And he will bring righteous judgment. But he's so gracious, so nice, and so kind. 
and he holds his arms out of love to them. Listen to what I'm telling you. God's trying to get the nations to repent, but he has not forgot his children Israel. And that's what I think he's inserting right here. He goes on to say in verse 30, For as ye in times past have not believed God, talking about the, the Gentiles, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Because the Jews didn't believe, it was open to you and I. How many sees that? Because they rejected him. God turned to us and brought the gospel to every one of us. And it says in the next verse, Even so have those, have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. God's trying to have mercy on all. He loves us. He loves your children. He loves my children. He loves me. He loves my parents. He loved those that didn't love him and never served him. When, when he was dying on the cross, he died for us before we ever knew he was, was our Savior. He laid his life down and died for us because he knew we needed him. He fulfilled the Father's will. And all, including the Jews, can come through Jesus. And I believe when it talks about that in Zechariah 12, 10, all the way down through the end, it starts talking about the different tribes and how they begin to mourn. And I thought that's, that's the way it's going to be. They're going to weep because they rejected Jesus. Don't wait till that day. Don't wait till the church is gone. You say to yourself, well, I don't believe everybody's going to go in the rapture. Maybe they won't. Some will get saved during the tribulation. I believe that. You can say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, I can tell you this. I look at it like while the gospel's being handed out to you, while the Spirit of God is dealing with you, that's your opportunity. You may not get that opportunity in tribulation. You may not get that opportunity. Because, see, I don't know if an opportunity comes to those that doesn't know better, that already knows better. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't know better, that might be different. If somebody's lived and they didn't seem to, to understand it, God may reveal it to them, but they may even have to give their head. They may be martyred and killed. You'll find that out in the end of this chapter. A lot of them are. I know you don't want to hear this, but see, we've gone past those days of the church being here where it's so easy to come in, to get yourself up and go to church compared to finding God after this. You're going to be put under the world system. The world system's going to put you down. You won't have your freedoms. You won't have all those things that you you think that are mine and nobody can take them away and that, that our government's really trying to keep your freedoms. No, they're not. They're not trying to keep our freedoms when they're trying to do what they're doing to our children you can, or our elders. Back to Revelation 7th chapter. 
I'm going to cover this real quick and I'm done. It says in Revelation 7, back at verse 9, after he had sealed the children of Israel, it says, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, kindred, people, and tongues, stood before the throne. That means all of a sudden, this picture that the angel brought about the Israel, he's got off of Israel and he's back at the throne of God. Now listen to what I'm saying. They're back at the throne. Before those 144,000, that was on the earth. This is in heaven. It says they're before the throne. And it says, before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts. Now listen to what I'm saying. All the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders. Talking about the church. You're talking about the four and twenty elders. You're talking about the church. See, the church is in heaven. Those that's gone into rapture, they're there. And these four beasts that fly and do the will of God, they're there. And all of the angels begin to stand around them. Listen to what he's saying. And fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. How many knows he's including everybody that will come? He's not only brought it back to the Jews, but he is saying that all these people. Do you know there's been many already in this place we're at right here that's already died in the beginning of the tribulation through those horses that came out? There's been already many that's died. And it says these are those that are standing up there. It says... Verse 13, and one of the elders answered, saying to me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and where came they? And I said unto him, Sir, John said it, I know, thou knowest. He said to the elder that asked him, Who are these? He said, Thou knowest. I don't know. He said, and he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. They have put on, finally, listen to me, they had to give their life. They were martyred and killed, but listen to me, they got to put on that robe of righteousness in Christ. That ought to excite you because I tell you, that's God giving another chance to people even after the tribulation. And they may give their life to get there. But the real truth is God's still reaching out with his love. He's still trying to rescue us from this judgment that's coming. Therefore, are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in this temple. And, in the, and he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall, they shall hunger no more, neither 
thirst anymore, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living waters of living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Hallelujah. He's not only telling them you're going to be there, but I'm going to reward you. I'm going to take care of you. You're going to get the blessings of being the children of God in heaven. Praise God. Now he's talking about those. Listen to on down in verse In Revelation 5, there was one verse I wanted to read. It says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. And for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. That's all. That's all, the, all of the nations. Then it says in Revelation 24, back and come on back up. Revelation 20 and 4. I want you to hear this. This is after Christ comes back. But I want you to hear this one last verse. It says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. What? They were beheaded. For the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads and on their hands. They lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. How many knows there's a reward for God's children? But I just read something in there that I'm going to read and show you tonight, and that's talking about they didn't accept. Did you know that Satan comes along afterwards? The dragon, he comes along and he decides, I'm going to mark, put a mark on everybody. If you take the mark of the beast, you're done. There is no mercy for you. You need to be sealed by God, not by the enemy. And when this world system comes and they want to put a mark on you, that's why the church has always fought it all these years. 666 or whatever you want to call it. It's all through there. But I want you to understand the enemy is trying to come down and he wants to steal all he can from God because he has no hope and he knows the end is near. He don't care about anything that you care about for this world. All he wants you to do is want it more than you want God. He's after this nation to fall. When it starts the 8th chapter, that's the end of the 7th chapter. That's all God said. He talked about the Jewish people, and I believe why? Because he wanted to bring them into the picture. He wants to deal with Israel again, and so far as I see, he's not dealing with them spiritually yet until you get to this 7th chapter. And then all of a sudden, he brings out Israel and 12,000 from each is putting a square root on it, if you have to say it that way. I don't know if there's 12,000 of each tribe or not, but I know this. He's trying to show them that all of you are included. 
all of Israel. I mean, here's what I'm saying. He is calling all of Israel back to Christ. He's calling them to see who Jesus really is. And if they see it, they will repent. The Bible says, Zechariah said it, they will mourn, they will weep because they have, they look upon him whom they pierced. They know they went the wrong way. Praise God that he has such grace and such mercy. Praise God that you and I can serve him. You want to know why we worship him? You want to know why all of us should worship him? Because this is God's plan for human, humankind. It's his plan to bring us to him. He's not going to force you to go to heaven. He's not going to force you to go to church. He's not going to force you to read your Bible. He's not going to force you to get on your knees and say, God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. But I can tell you right now, he's bidding for you every day. He's not going to force you. He wants somebody willingly to serve him. Everybody stand, if you will. Sometimes I was praying this morning about it and I think sometimes it's not just about our little church. It's not just about the little time we live in. It's not about our little feelings about things. Don't you know God's got a bigger picture? Don't you know that it's the enemy that's distracting you from serving God? He'll put people in your life that'll tear you away from serving God. They'll hurt your little feelings. They'll make you uh, ashamed of who you are. They'll make you walk away. They'll make you drift away. Sometimes, I remember being youth leaders. Can I tell you something? I remember you being a youth leader. There were times, and I know Andy and them understand this, and, and Adam understood it, but there, there were times when you had 30 kids, and they were so excited, they, you could tell them he's going to McDonald's, they was excited. You could tell them he's doing anything. They, they just wanted to get together. They just wanted to have fellowship with each other. But then there was times when you'd say, no, we're going to have a Bible study. And they didn't half of them want to come. Took everything in the world to drag them here. You would think, this two different people. No, they were struggling. You know what? We struggle. Do you struggle? I struggle sometimes. Sometimes I say to myself, God, I'm not committed enough. I'm not dedicated enough. I'm not willing enough. God, show me how to lead my children right. How, how, how can I lead my wife and my children if I don't live it myself? How can I say I love them when I can't love God? How can you love God that you can't see that, and you, you can't hardly love the people you do see? We have to love each other. We have to be like God wants us to be. We have to realize how much bigger that his kingdom is compared to this little bit of time we have on earth. It's so much bigger, so much greater. Don't let the enemy steal 
That's what he's doing. He's stealing, killing, and destroying all that he can. While they sing something, if you need to pray, he wanted a drop of water for his tongue. But then he said something that showed he still had a heart. Go and send somebody to my brothers and tell them not to come here. And he cared. He cared even then, but it was too late. He waited too late. God is speaking today. Don't wait till it's too late. Don't put it off. God's word's coming to pass. It's coming true. While they sing, if you have something you'd like to pray with, come. Can explain the beauty of a rose and why can't tell the wonder in the air when it snows and marvelous can't have conveyed the grace of a the Father
The 144,000 Jewish people that were sealed the next time they're mentioned in the 14th chapter of Revelation, the only other time they're mentioned. And when they're mentioned, they're in heaven. Understand that. They're in heaven. They were sealed by God. But can I tell you, a revival started for Israel when God put them there. That seventh chapter to me, it sounds like a revival started. God took the 144,000, anointed them, blessed them, gave them a great gift to see Jesus. And they came. I don't know when they went up to heaven. I can tell you what some people say, but I don't know that I see it that way. But I'm going to bring some of that out tonight. I like it that we have, how you say, elder Christians that know the Bible. People that study the Bible. Because, see, I don't want to say anything. There's obviously a lot of things I don't see clear. I don't know how some of the prophecy people write some of the things they write. I don't see them all right. I try I, I try to figure out how they got that, but I don't get it. But not condemning nobody, not trying to stand on my rights. I'm trying to see what God's saying. I'm trying to hear what God is saying. And I know God loves Israel, and he's bringing them back through, through the forefathers, through the forefathers of what they believed and what they understood. God is looking ahead and saying, I, I have a promise made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God that we love, the God that we serve, the God that sent his only begotten son to lay down his life and die for us. The one that spoke to our heart. Connie said it this morning. Takes the Holy Spirit. Takes the communion of the Holy Spirit to get saved takes the bidding of the Spirit of God to correct us as we go through this life. Don't be afraid to read God's Word. Don't be afraid of the end time. Get your confidence in the God that wrote it down. He's your God. You're His child. He loves you. He'll forgive you. He'll forget all things that you did wrong. He'll show you the path to walk, and the enemy will do everything in the world to trip you up. But you dedicate yourself to following him. And you're going to be there. You're going to be there. There's nothing in this world can stop or take the love of God away from you. Praise God.
It is a grace that's amazing. It's hard to believe God would love us for all of our failures, but he does. I thank you for your patience today.